Hello, and welcome to this week's sermon podcast from Good Shepherd Lutheran Church in Kenwood. Here we preach the good news of Jesus Christ. Whether you find the message to be uplifting or challenging, comforting or even unsettling, we hope it'll help you grow in faith and your relationship with God. Thank you for listening. To God be the glory. Good morning, friends. Good morning. Good morning. Hello. Hi. (laughs) I have a handful of announcements for you. If you are a visitor, welcome. If you have been here a million times, also welcome. We are glad to see your faces regardless. If you have something to share with us, uh, like the fact that you're new or you want to sign up for something or similar, please put it in the communication card and then put that in the um, offering plate and we will uh, make note of it. Our 2019 Resurrection product, excuse me, 2019 Resurrection Project continues this weekend and next weekend. We are collecting donations for CLM, which is one of our partner ministries in Haiti that helps to transform the lives of women living in ultra poverty. Um, you can make uh, checks and such donations to the folks at the table. You might also note some very cute small people who have made um, jewelry from Rainbow Loom, and you can buy those. That money also goes to CLM. Uh, there's more information about this on the front page of the Our Life bulletin insert, and you can stop by that table to get more information. This weekend, we are going to celebrate the entry into confirmation milestone for 13 of our sixth graders in just a moment. This is your anticipation building. Be excited? Be excited? Jazz hands. Okay. Uh, that's going to happen in just a moment. Uh, but next weekend, we will begin our three-week stewardship emphasis. This theme for this year is Making All Things New. Look for a letter in your mailbox with more information about that theme and our ministry and an estimate of giving card. We will be gathering those cards on the weekend of May 18. Thank you in advance for your prayerful consideration of your financial support for our ministries and for our next fiscal year, which begins September 1st. These are all of my announcements. Good morning. Our first reading comes from the book of Acts, chapter 5, verses 27 through 32. Then they brought the apostles before the high council, where the high priest confronted them. We gave you strict orders never again to teach in this man's name, he said. Instead, you have filled all Jerusalem with your teaching about him, and you want to make us responsible for his death. But Peter and the apostles replied, We must obey God rather than any human authority. The God of our ancestors raised Jesus from the dead after you killed him by hanging him on a cross. Then God put him in the place of honor at his right hand as prince and savior. He did this so the people of Israel would repent of their sins and be forgiven. We are witnesses of these things, and so is the Holy Spirit who is given by God to those who obey him. Here ends the reading. The second reading comes from the book of Revelation, chapter 1, verses 4 through 8. This letter is from John to the seven churches in the province of Asia. Grace and peace to you from the one who is, who always was, and who is still to come. From the sevenfold spirit before his throne, and from Jesus Christ. He is the faithful witness to these things, the first to rise from the dead and the ruler of all the kings of the world. All glory to him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by shedding his blood for us. 
he has made us a kingdom of priests for God his Father. All glory and power to him forever and ever. Amen. Look, he comes with the clouds of heaven, and everyone will see him, even those who pierced him, and all the nations of the world will mourn for him. Yes, amen. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, says the Lord God. I am the one who is, who always was, and who, and who is still to come, the Almighty One. Here ends the reading. Please stand for the gospel. That Sunday evening, the disciples were meeting behind locked doors because they were afraid of the religious authority. Suddenly, Jesus was standing there among them. Peace be with you, he said. As he spoke, he showed them the wounds in his hands and his side. They were filled with joy when they saw the Lord. Again, he said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. Then he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone's sins, they are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. One of the twelve disciples, Thomas, nicknamed the twin, was not with the others when Jesus came. He told, they told him, we have seen the Lord. But he replied, I won't believe it unless I see the nail wounds in his hands, put my fingers into them, and place my hand onto the wound on his side. Eight days later, the disciples were together again, and this time Thomas was with them. The doors were locked, but suddenly, as before, Jesus was standing among them. Peace be with you, he said. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and look at my hands. Put your hand into the wound in my side. Don't be faithless any longer. Believe. My Lord and my God, Thomas exclaimed. Then Jesus told him, You believe because you have seen me. Blessed are those who believe without seeing me. The disciples saw Jesus do many other miraculous signs in addition to the ones recorded in this book. But these are written so that you may continue to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing in him, you will have life by the power of his name. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Please be seated. We laid Brian Brady to rest yesterday. It was a beautiful and emotional service, and I can't help but appreciate the parallel with today's Gospel. The disciples, too, had just buried their friend, Jesus. He was dead before his time. Their hope was dead. Grief is necessary and healthy, but thank God the story doesn't end there. And I believe it doesn't end there for Brian either. We are in the season of resurrection where all death is temporary. We are being invited to step out of the boat into stormy seas, trusting that we won't sink. We are also mourning yet again the deaths brought about by a man armed both with an assault weapon and with white supremacy. I had already planned to speak today about the church's history of anti-Semitism, and here we are living it again. There is, there is good news waiting at the end of this little history lesson. There is always, always good news and the possibility of God's reckless, mysterious love, but we need to name our sins before we can be redeemed from them. So did you notice just now and perhaps a couple times during Holy Week when I read from the Gospel of John and I changed the words, the Jews, to the religious authority or to the people? Um, this particular one, let me get back to uh, our bulletin here. The New Living Translation does a little bit better by saying the Jewish leaders. Um, 
but most, most of the time it's just translated the Jews. I do that because, I change it because of our history with this book. This is your history lesson. So let's go back around 90, year 90, common era. This is about uh, 60 years after Jesus had died and been resurrected. And John, the beloved disciple, just like the others, had gone out into the world and told his story of this impossible man. A group of Jews from one synagogue heard him, took him in, and came to love Jesus as he did. And then they wrote down John's memories and their own experiences of the living God. They wrote their understanding of the events of Jesus' life as they saw them through their own experience of grief and persecution. And this one small group of Jews wrote one of the most cosmically beautiful and painful books in our scripture. It's, it's glorious. The problem was, belief in Jesus as the Messiah was heretical in first century Judaism. Because of their heresy, it seems likely this little community was kicked out of their synagogue. And so now they too were grieving. They lost their community, their, their livelihoods, their relationships, even the trust and vulnerability that they shared with this larger community. So they wrote out the good news of Jesus Christ, but they also wrote out the bad news of their frustration and their anger and suspicion. Now this might have remained just as a familial dispute. People from the same family who at base love each other deeply, no matter how upset they are with each other's politics. But Christianity took off. It didn't stay this tiny little sect. Followers of Jesus cropped up all over the place, and John's words and others were spread around like, like viral tweets, basically. People were hungry for good news and for this Jesus, and so they got the good news wrapped up in some words that became weapons. Now, the Gospel of John is not the only thing to blame for centuries of anti-Semitism, but it's a big part of it. If you read it, that the Jews here voluntarily take all the blame for the death of Jesus, that the Jews as a whole are presented as people to be feared, people who lie or cheat or manipulate to destroy a good man. Even the beginning of this reading that we had today, this subtle, they were behind the doors, they were behind locked doors for fear of the Jews. We can't make light of this because it becomes this dangerous ideology. And I understand if you don't read it this way, if you think people are being too sensitive, except that we have 2,000 years of Christians writing out their justifications for blaming and shunning and disenfranchising and killing Jews. Jesus says in the gospel today, if you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven. If you retain the sins of any, that is not forgive them, they are retained. We have accidentally or on purpose retained the, fe- the sins of a few as the sins of the whole. And we've allowed them to be ground underfoot for generations. Now I'm telling you all this because it needs to be said out loud. Because people are still going into synagogues with guns. And because we can change it. Because... This is what the good news is about, healing wounds by naming them. Pastor Alex always says resurrection happens to dead things. So let's look at all the death around us and name our part in it. Let's stand with Ezekiel at the Valley of Dry Bones so we can bear witness to God, bringing them back to life. 
Transformation is what God is about. It's what we're about. Now listen, I know the story of Doubting Thomas might seem to be a strange place to find some sort of new life to connect with anti-Semitism. When we read it, it always seems to be about this question of doubt and belief, about choosing to have faith even though you have no proof. As usual with scripture, there's more to it. Thomas isn't there that first night when Jesus shows up in the locked room with the disciples. I imagine that during the week after, they've all told the story over and over from their different perspectives, parsing out what happened. Can you believe falling over themselves in their delight that he's back? And Thomas thinks it's probably just an elaborate and cruel joke. Jesus couldn't come back. It's ridiculous. And then Jesus shows up again. This time, it seems just for Thomas. He's the only difference between the stories. He shows up just for Thomas and he gives him what he needs, proof. And then a reproof. Do not doubt but believe, which we have also used as a weapon. This line, this is the strange good news that I want to offer after yesterday's shooting, after Brian's funeral, and whatever other bad news you are struggling with right now yourselves. It's a single word in that line. In Greek, the word pistos. It's an odd grammatical moment. You know I like grammatical good news. It's an odd grammatical moment that we don't translate well. Surprise, surprise. It means believe, and Jesus says it twice in the sentence. Pistos and apistos. Do not be faithless, but be faithful. See where that is? Or do not be unbelieving, but believing. It's the same word. You'll note it's not really about doubt. The Latin form of pistos that we use is credo, from which we get the word creed. You've heard me say this before. It's about giving your heart to something, not just agreeing intellectually with a series of statements. Anyway, another more literal definition of this word that Jesus uses to Thomas is so fascinating. In other parts of scripture, it's used to literally mean potable, like water that is drinkable. I did say that this was a strange way to find good news, but hear me out. Jesus wasn't talking about Thomas as a a tall drink of water, though I kind of like that too. (laughs) But he's known for his subtlety and his complexity. He chose this particular word with care. Do not be brackish water, Thomas. Do not be lead-poisoned water of Flint or the cholera-infested water of Haiti. Thomas, be cool, clear, refreshing, living water. Be the award-winning municipal water of Cincinnati. Be the water that comes down from mountain streams of melted snowfall. Do not poison the well, Thomas. Clean it so that all can drink. Or even, don't be trash, be treasure, like these beautiful pieces of art on our walls in here. This word pistos brings something new into a history of anti-Semitism, a history of human self-interest, a history of creating messes and not cleaning them up because it's not our problem. Do not condemn our Jewish siblings for things they didn't do. Do not ascribe guilt and filthiness and blame where there is none. 
Don't use words that imply violence. Instead, believe in the image of God that is present in all people. Let the clean water of clarity and knowledge and compassion wash away the sludge of racism. Be drinkable, my friends. May your soul move away from brackishness into potability. It's not really a t-shirt slogan. I'm working on it. See, it's about movement from brackishness to potability. God moving us from feeling rejected and dejected to being welcomed and welcoming, apistos to pistos. It's less about these extremes themselves and more about moving slowly from one end to the other. God is about movement, living water, not stagnant. God is about shifting our perspectives and about going deeper into the love that we already have for each other. It doesn't have to happen suddenly. I don't know if you see this in your social media, uh, in mine. There's a lot of people talking about body positivity, right? This is a good thing. (laughs) This body that we live in is not bad or evil. There's beauty in it, right? And so there's a lot of folks exploring this, talking about the beauty, feeling themselves. And what I find really interesting recently is I've seen a number of particularly young women talking about not so much body positivity, but body neutrality. Because they have been living in a space of such negativity, of such almost body horror even, that coming all the way over to positivity is too much. But taking a step, just a little movement, to, I got to class this morning, my body got me there. Or, I don't hate my body today. That's huge. That's beautiful. And I think that's the spirit moving slowly. At Brian's funeral yesterday, Pastor Pat said, we have a God who stands with us and described God's love for us as stubborn. Love that. This is the good news of this story about Thomas. Jesus shows up for Thomas stubbornly holds on to him. He shows up for this one lost sheep out of a hundred, the one who can't dare to hope that his friend has returned. We have a God who stands with us, a God who shows up for us in unlikely places, who gives us what we need, who loves us, all of us, with a stubborn love, a God who washes us clean in baptism and then continuously pours that cool, clear water over us, soaking us to the skin, washing away our old assumptions, our wounds, our violence. So I'm going to leave you with the words at the very beginning of the rite for the burial of the dead in the Episcopal Church. It may seem like something depressing. The whole point of the rite for the burial of the dead is to help us mourn but also to help us celebrate. I am resurrection, and I am life, says the Lord. Whoever has faith in me shall have life, even though he die. And everyone who has life and has committed himself to me in faith shall not die forever. As for me, I know that my Redeemer lives And at the last, he will stand upon the earth. After my awaking, he will raise me up. And in my body, 
I shall see God. I myself shall see and my eyes behold him who is my friend and not a stranger. Amen. Thanks again for listening to this week's message from Good Shepherd Lutheran Church in Kenwood. Please browse our website for other opportunities to grow in faith or serve the Lord. If you are able to worship with us at any time, we would be most honored by your presence.